Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And that is launched out to deep left field. Big fly for Mike Trout. This is ground ball to second base. Red Heagle falls down, picks it up, fires the first. The Angels have no hit. The Seattle Mariners. It's gone. Big fly for Anthony Rendon. Hey guys, I'm Alex Curry. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. Brandon Marsh. This is Chris Rodriguez. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am Dan Garcia. Um, and this week... Uh, this series, I should say, Angels out in Texas, trying to take advantage of a really bad Texas team, but um, some good news along the way, some bad news along the way, too. Uh, and we'll start first with Monday. Obviously, it seems like the theme of the rest of the season is going to be, let's see what we have. And going back to the day before this Monday game, Sunday, you saw that with the promotion of Reed Detmers, the uh, start of Reed Detmers, a guy that is two years out of college, another pitching prospect the Angels have that, um, like Chris Rodriguez, the Monday starter, has a lot of promise, and you hope, as as Angel fans at least, you hope that he is something uh, legit and he can solidify this rotation going forward. But like I mentioned before, Chris Rodriguez got called up Monday, and he was going to make his first MLB start of his career. Um, If you guys don't remember, he was part of the team coming out of camp, but it was out of the bullpen. Um, Reason being was that his previous handful of years in the system, being a high school graduate or high school draftee, uh, he didn't have a ton of innings on his hands. He, you know, it was very limited because of injuries that had set him back. Whether you know, whether it be surgery on his back or, or stuff like that, he had very limited innings. So when he came in to uh, this season, they use him in the bullpen. Uh, for a while, it looked like they were using him for like maybe like two innings, maybe three innings at a time. Anyways, did great at the beginning. Kind of slowed down a little bit, but then it gets injured comes back really kind of take has a hard time getting going again so they send him down to double a uh where there he worked on getting stretched out even longer to be a, a starting pitcher because uh for everything that i've heard from people i've talked to even people uh connected with the angels have always said that they see him as a starter first and then obviously if something doesn't work out or, or health becomes an issue and then move him to the bullpen. But they always wanted to get him to be a starter first. And that was the whole idea when they sent him down to double A. Um, the trash pan is out in double A. Uh, so that he got stretched out. He did well there. Both him and Reed Demers on the same day got brought up to Salt Lake. Same thing. Had to go through COVID protocol. Got a little more time in double A. Stretch out. We saw Reed Demers. 
uh, debut on the 1st of August. Now, on the 2nd of August, you have Chris Rodriguez starting debut again. He was with the team earlier this year, but this is his first start as an Angel in his professional career out in Texas. So, for the most part, he did well. He did what you expected him to do. Him being such a young pitcher, same thing with Reed Detmers. I don't expect them to come out and light the world on fire and go seven innings of no-run baseball, striking out ten or something like that. Like I feel like those days will be coming. But for people like Chris, people like uh, uh, Reed, you just kind of want to see something that they can build on. And that's exactly what you saw with Chris. He goes six innings, four hits, three runs, three earned runs, four runs, one unearned, two walks, seven strikeouts. So again, a very, very good outing. You saw a lot of positive things out there with Chris. And you can kind of see like, all right, this is something for them to move uh, forward with, for them to build on. You know, Reed Detmers, obviously, the day before on Sunday, didn't have the best outing either. But at the same time, you, again, you saw things you liked. You saw things that um, got you excited to see what's going to happen in the next couple of years with these guys. Um, but like I said, he gave up four runs, three of them earned. Just kind of a, a weird game in general. Offense really wasn't there. Angels lose 4-1 to one against Texas. Last place, Texas. Uh, really no offense to, to really talk about. Um, Stassi, Lagares, and Jose Iglesias, the only three hits for the Angels in this game. So, again, um, would it have been different maybe if they gave Chris some run support and maybe kind of give him a little time to relax and play with a little bit? Probably. But considering what happened, considering kind of the outcome of the game, six innings isn't bad at all for Chris Rodriguez. And something interesting that happened before this game they were going to call up, and again, this is kind of leads into what I was talking about earlier. They're going to figure out what they have. You know, we talked a lot about Detmers and Rodriguez and Sandoval and like those guys, those young guys. But now you're seeing it now with Marsh and Joe, and that's exactly what happened. Joe Adele got called up Monday as well. Unfortunately, his flight got canceled coming out of Albuquerque where the Bees were playing. And so by the time they got a new flight, he was late to Texas, late to the stadium, uh, literally got there probably like 20 minutes before game time. So he did not make the starting lineup. And it was crazy, too, because Angels, I don't know if they just didn't know about it or they didn't relay it, actually put out a post, put out a... uh, you know, an edit, a lineup edit where they had Brandon Marsh, Joe Adele, Chris Rodriguez all in the lineup and then comes out late, uh, probably like 10 minutes later, uh, Joe didn't, wasn't able to make that flight because of the cancellation. So uh, makes me think too, is, are the Angels using Spirit Airline? And if so, why they got to be so cheap? Why they got to be so cheap? So um, I, I'm guessing there's a lot of things that Angels are being cheap on, but Joe was unable to get into this game. He was there. They just show him in the dugout throughout the game. And I thought it was kind of poetic in a way where he's going to make his season debut in a stadium where he possibly had his most embarrassing professional uh, blunder, if you will. And if, if you guys remember last year in Texas during the COVID season, he had his uh Defensive moment to forget where the ball literally goes into his glove, rolls right out and over the wall for a home run. So 
it was good for him, I guess, to get there and kind of exercise those demons a little bit because I'm sure that's probably weighing on his mind, even though I'm sure he doesn't, wouldn't want to admit it. But for something like that, I don't know how it's not, at least in the back of your mind, at least a little bit. So that was Monday's game. Great to see Chris do well. Great to see that Joe's up and you're going to be able to see these guys perform these young guys perform and see what they have, whether it's Brandon, whether it's Joe, whether it's Chris, whether it's Reed, going into the even the guys that have been there for most of the season, Patrick, uh, Jaime, uh, Suarez. Like These guys are here. These guys are going to earn their way or possibly, you know, uh, show that they're not quite ready. And that's going to be really exciting to watch throughout the rest of the season. So after the game, Joe kind of talked a little bit about how he was going to orchestrate this Outfield, seeing that now with Joe up, you have uh, obviously Joe, you have Brandon, you have Upton who's back, you have Eaton, you have Lagares, um, you have all these outfielders, you have five outfielders, I believe, for the three positions. And he kind of honestly made it pretty simple as far as, you know, if it's against a lefty, you're going to see Upton in there with, with Marsh and Joe. If it's a righty in there, you're going to see Eaton in there with Joe and Marsh. So it really does look like, and it's it's hold true so far. It has held true so far that Brandon and Joe are going to get as many at-bats as possible, as many innings as possible. And I think that's very, uh, as a fan, very reassuring. And, and, honestly, and honestly, I don't remember ever the Angels ever taking this kind of approach to it as far as hey let's get all our top guys up here kind of evaluate them as the season goes on at the end you know towards the end of the season and then give a really good um we can get a really good judgment on what they are what they're not like i've never remembered the angels doing that uh definitely not the numbers they're doing it right now so that's obviously something exciting this might be a perry thing this might be a perry touch to the organization um this is him going into his first full offseason as the angels gm and not you know obviously with him not being part of or you know 2020 just being a a funny year in general you just kind of don't really know you know what's going to be this offseason like where you're going to have a full season and you're able to have a full sample size of certain guys so obviously that's a lot of excitement that's going to be interesting to see as as the offseason starts but before we get to that, we had Tuesday's game, which was the reintroduction of Joe Adele, the reintroduction of the Angel, for, former Angels top prospect, Joe Adele. He was batted in the lineup uh, down a little bit, but, you know, as a guy that, a kid that has so much upside, there's no reason to kind of rush him and put him up there behind Otani or anything like that. Um, taking the mound for the Angels in this game was Jose Suarez. Again, another young guy that you love to see out there. You love to see uh, trying to find out what do we have? Is he legit? Is he not? Is this something that we can build on? Does he need to go in the bullpen? But I love the fact that they just keep on putting him out there without him kind of bouncing back and forth through the bullpen. But Jose would go five and two thirds, six hits, three runs, one walk, six strikeouts. Um, And honestly, too, after that, you look at it, the bullpen absolutely shuts it down. The bullpen went three and a third of no hit, no run, no walks. Three strikeout ball between uh, Junior Gara and uh, Selman, the the Sam Selman, the new guy they got for Watson uh, at the trade deadline. But obviously the story of the game 
was Joe Adele, and he did not disappoint at all with two doubles, a single, and um, three RBIs in this game, plus plus a stolen base after a walk on his first at-bat. So, you know, if Joe had jitters, if Joe was worried about this or that, he looked fine. Um, in this game, from what I remember, I think he only got a ball really hit to him once to where he had to make a play out in the outfield. That was a little bit sketchy. He looked like he almost overran it coming in, but was able to recover. And, you know, obviously nothing happened there. But offensively, he brought a spark that I think a lot of Angel fans were hoping he was going to bring a, a, a spark that the Angels desperately needed. Um, but overall, this game, Angels win 11-3. They had contributions all over the place. So not sure if it's Joe specific, but he definitely got it going. You have Fletcher with two hits. You got Otani with two hits. Uh, Goslin with three hits. I already mentioned Joe was he was his three hits. Marsh got a hit. I mean, there was hits all over the place, um, and it was a really good game for the Angels' offense to kind of wake up. Fourteen hits total against uh, the Texas Rangers. And again, they win it eleven to three. So again, you, you're seeing these young guys come in. You're seeing these young guys perform. It kind of gets you, you know, excited for what could happen next year. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be enough for this season, but I do kind of feel, and this could be me just being a over, what's the word I'm looking for? Optimistic angel fan right now, but seeing these young guys, seeing these position players, seeing these pitchers, I guess more, more than anything, like I mentioned before, Chris Rodriguez, Reed Detmers, uh, Jose Suarez, uh, Jaime Berea, um, guys in the bullpen, you know, um, Austin Warren has looked really good since he's been coming since he's been coming out of the bullpen. Um, you know, obviously Rossell Iglesias, if they can extend him, that's something to build on. But I don't know. That's just something that I feel that this team is at least going in the right direction. They've had really bad luck in the past years with injuries, and it still kind of rubs off on this one because I believe it's this day, or maybe it was the fourth. But either way, it came out that. Um, Anthony Rendon wouldn't have season-ending hip surgery. Yes, I said hip. And if you're thinking in your head hip, you're you're right. Because when he originally went on the IL, it was a hamstring issue. Now comes out that it's a hip. I don't know where that how that transferred from the hamstring to the hip, but it happened. He's going to have season-ending surgery. Um, so very much looks like Jack uh, Mayfield, our captain, is going to be the you know full-time third baseman for the end of the year. And honestly, right now, he's not doing a terrible job. Um, he kind of does show that he is a temp not a temp i don't want to say temp temp's a bad word but he is kind of a utility guy like i don't know how well he would do in a in in an overall season but we're about to find out how he's going to do in a short sprint like 60 game 70 game type of deal so he will probably be more than likely handle the majority of innings at third base now that Anthony Rendon's out um we'll see how it goes obviously he's had some really good games he's had some really bad stretches I think that's just part of the game that shows that he's just a regular guy um he's had some defensive blunders some that I think 
even on Rendon's worst offensive days, he gets those defensively. And I think that's something that a lot of people lose track of is Rendon's defense saves runs probably just as much as his offense produces them. So um, that was kind of the news going uh, during this week is that Iglesias hip surgery from a hamstring injury. Um, we're going to do an Instagram live at the second half of this podcast. I'll kind of get more into it and my thoughts on it then, but that was definitely the big news. Um, during this series against Texas at Texas. So now we go into Wednesday, August 4th, and the Angels are looking to, at least at this point, if they win this game, they at least get a split. But against a bad team like the Rangers, you need more than that. And they would take, they would bring in Shohei Otani to pitch and hit. And Otani has seemingly hit another gear or a different gear pitching than he was early in the year. I mean, if you listen to this podcast from beginning of the season to now, you have heard us kind of be concerned about his 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 walks, his you know, him getting into big counts, you know, um, deep counts, uh, not able to control as well. Because early in the year, that was the issue: walks, walks, walks. Well, it seems as of late, Otani has really been able to flip that around, and part of it, I believe, is him not necessarily trying to strike everyone out. I mean, like we mentioned before, people love the strikeout. People love the the swing of the miss or the caught looking, but at the same time, when you do that, you either A, leave yourself vulnerable for something across the middle that might be hittable, or if you're trying to nibble at the corners, just throwing balls. So, Otani in this outing, though, goes six innings, four hits, one run, six strikeouts, but again, very important, no walks. Doesn't walk anybody. Has another fantastic outing, dropping his ERA to 2.93. So he is now has an ERA below three while leading the majors in home runs. Now, offensively, he's been struggling a little bit. It kind of showed a little bit in this game going 0 for 3. Um, but I wonder how much of that 2, two is because of the lack of pro- uh, protection around him. You know, Phil Gosselin is filling in at first base for for Jared Walsh while he's out. That to me doesn't necessarily scare me if I put Otani on, and even if Otani, if I put Otani on walking and Otani steals second, I'm still not necessarily worried about Phil Gosselin hitting something deep enough to, for him to score to, from second. Um, I'm just not as a pitcher. So once, even if when Walsh gets back, even if someone as simple as Walsh, who is again a power threat, a guy that can put the ball over the wall. Um, at any point, you get someone like that in there, or maybe you get a Joe Adele who catches fire a little bit and you bring him up, or even who knows, maybe if we ever um, see Mike Trout again this year, you put Otani, uh, him behind Otani, and maybe his numbers kind of spark up again. But he's been struggling there, but in this game, on Thursday's game, or no, sorry, uh, Wednesday's game, the whole offense struggled. They ended up winning two to one. Which is great. Which is they need to do. Um, on one of the runs, that was kind of crazy. The uh, pitcher for the for the Rangers throws a wild pitch. Lagaris, who is on second, scores on a wild pitch from second because the catcher had no idea where it went. The catcher could not find it, and by the time the catcher found it, Lagaris was already smart enough to know that. He doesn't know where it's at. He's already rounding third, pretty close to home by the time the catcher actually goes and gets it. So heads up by uh, Juan Lagares and make it 1-0. And then, like I mentioned before, Jack Mayfield, who is now going to be uh, the full-time third baseman for the Angels, 
since Rendon's out, hits a home run. So those are your two runs. Um, they end up the Rangers end up getting one later in the game, or end up getting one off of off of Shohei, and again that's the one run given up. But again, another great outing by the bullpen. You had Warren going there for one inning, one hit, two strikeouts. Ciszek, one inning, one hit, one strikeout. And then Rossell Iglesias coming in for one inning, uh, one walk, one strikeout, but no hits, no runs. Another shutdown opportunity by the bullpen, which is great, which you want to see. Um, it is Texas. Uh, we'll see how it goes with the schedule coming up because um, if you look at the schedule coming up, obviously they have the big freeway series coming up this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, off day. Then four games against Toronto, three games against Houston, and then one game against New York. That is a makeup game uh, for the rainout from earlier this year. So you're talking about uh, three teams, and was it uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games of playoff caliber teams, really good offenses that are going to not only test these young pitchers and see what they have, but they're also going to test the bullpen and see if you know. If what we see from C-Shack and from Junior Gara and from Austin Warren, if it's legit, we'll see. Because it's going to be a really good test. Again, they're going to Dodgers in the next three games. Um, yeah, so the Dodgers next three games and then Toronto for four games. Uh, the Toronto series starts a homestand for the Angels. They're playing the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium for three games. So if you go out there, if you haven't seen the videos um, from their previous series... With the Astros, be careful. I'm just going to say that. Uh, Dodger fans are a different type of breed. Some people think it's passion. Some people think it's crazy. I'm more leaning towards the side of crazy. But either way you look at it, um, it's always kind of a fun time when, when the Angels and Dodgers get together for the fans' sake. I stand by the comment that it is not the Angels' biggest rival as you know, team to team fans. Yes, I understand you're fighting for, you know, Southern California supremacy and all that hoo whatever. But I would rather take three or four from Seattle. I would rather take three or four from Oakland. I would rather take three or four from Houston than the Dodgers. But that's just my uh, personal opinion in this. So now going into the uh, series finale Thursday, uh, we're actually recording this Thursday night. So this afternoon's game against the Texas Rangers, a getaway day, Dylan Bundy on the mound, trying to, you know, at this point, the trading deadline is passed. So obviously you can't flip him for anything, even if he has 10 great starts in a row. But what Bundy has going from, or what Bundy needs to have going from, for the most part, is uh, he's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. He's trying to earn money. He's trying to prove to other teams that he can be a starting pitcher going forward. Don't think it will be with the Angels, but you know, if he has a good sprint towards the end of the year, there's a very good chance someone will pick him up next year. And something that was a little bit different about him this year and they talked about on the broadcast, or this time around, was his arm slide. A little bit shorter arm uh, slide. A little bit, you know, different uh, approach to it. Uh, it seemed to work out really well because Bundy goes six and a third, three hits, two walks, six strikeouts. So Bundy, a very solid outing. And again, the bullpen comes through um, awesome. Uh, Junior Gara goes one and a third. Ciszek goes one inning. 
Iglesias goes one inning, and they give up a total of two hits and one walk and four strikeouts between the bullpen. So obviously, very good outing by the bullpen. But like I mentioned before, we'll really see how good this bullpen is um, this next week, this next uh, week and a half of games, because they will be tested and they will be um, put up against some really good lineups. But for this game, a good game for the Angels to score 5-0 is the final score. You got hits from a little bit everywhere. Eaton gets in on two hits. Fletcher gets two hits. Stassi gets a hit. Stassi continues his hit streak for a catcher. I think it's nine games now. Um, I think it's like the second longest, they said, or, or approaching the second longest catcher hit streak in Angels history. So that's something to kind of look out for as the season goes on. Um, Joe gets another hit. Uh, so, again, you know, the offense was kind of clicking in this one. They were able to pick it up. Eaton with the home run. You got RBIs from Jose Iglesias, Stassi, and, and Eaton on the home run. So uh, really good outing by the, the Angels, and they end up taking three or four from the Texas Rangers, which they should. Which, they, honestly, they should be able to take three or four from Texas every single time. Texas had a plethora, I'll put it that way, a plethora of... Um, blunders in the field that really helped out the Angels, and it just seemed like that was um, fortunate for us. And kind of on the flip side, I always think about the Angels getting the bad uh, luck of this and that, and this time it actually was on their side. So, uh, like I mentioned before, Angels take three or four. Angels are now, um, as I look at the standings, they won the last three in a row. They are now ten and a half back of the. Uh, division and going into the or when you look at the wild card, they are six back. Um, Happen to having to skip over teams like Seattle, Toronto, New York, and obviously Oakland holding that last spot um, in the wild card. So, again, good news is they have a lot of chances to pass these teams. Again, we have four games against Toronto. You have a makeup game against New York in this next couple weeks. Um, you you win some of those games, you win those series, I think more importantly, and then you put yourself in position to see what kind of happens. So I, I'm not necessarily sure if, you know, if they'll make it. I doubt they'll make the playoffs, but I, I kind of hold Pat to say that they will finish the season at 500 or above. Um, you know, even if they win 84 games, I think that's going to be a good season considering everything that's happened between injuries, between um, the pitching woes, the the bullpen woes, especially um, Bunny taking a huge step back. So I still think, you know, 83 wins, 84 wins isn't out of the questions. They are 55 and 54 right now. One game above 500 um, and going into a weekend series with the with the Dodgers, and we'll just have to see how that plays out. And they mentioned today, let me get to this before we move on to our Instagram Live, they did mention today the starters for that series. And so on Friday night, you're going to have Patrick Sandoval against David Price, a battle of a couple lefties. Again, Sandoval, I love the fact that they keep on running him out there. You have to figure out what they what you have with him. Um, same thing with the Saturday starter, Jaime Berea, against... Um, Julio Urias. Um, I think the last time the Angels faced Urias, they kind of lit him up pretty well. So you're kind of hoping for that as, uh, you know, that too, um, that as well. Um, but again, you need to see how some of these young guys are built. And since it is in Dodger Stadium, you are not going to have Otani out there in the lineup. So pitching is going to be really important because I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure about this lineup without Otani in it. 
Um, obviously, he's going to pitch hit. You got to think he's going to be the first guy off the bench every single time to pitch hit for the pitcher um, when when that time comes. But as far as his three to four, five plate appearances per game, you're not going to get that. But like I mentioned before, he has been struggling a little bit since the all-star break offensively. Maybe that's a good sign that you get him off the feet for three days, off day Monday, so four days, and maybe he's able to make a a, a really um, strong um, offensive return, if you will, and, and bring back the power numbers that were there before the All-Star break and throughout the whole season. But Sunday, um, the getaway day, if you will, even though both teams are in L.A., um, you're going to have Reed Detmers making a second start of his career against Walker Bueller, uh, another young very good pitcher, uh, eleven and two. Walker Bueller is with an ERA of two point one six. So, very hard, very difficult task for the Angels right there. We'll see how that plays out. We'll see how the whole series plays out. But that's again the three game series against the Dodgers coming up this weekend. Um, Sandoval, Berea, Detmers, three young guys that are going to have their shot to prove that what they have is, is legit and they can do it against good teams. So. Um, Again, I'm not necessarily looking for six, seven innings of shutout ball, but I am hopefully looking for something that can build on good moments. Good, you know, um, Patrick gets into a little jam or gives up a home run. How does he respond from that? Same thing with Detmers. He gets into a little bit of trouble in L.A. with the crowd going wild. How does he respond to that? I think is more important than necessarily the win or loss in that in that time. So, um we're going to take a quick break. After the break, I'm going to come back, go on Instagram Live, and we got a couple questions. We got actually more than a couple questions. We got quite a few questions um, on that, and I will ask them from anything from where's Trout to all that stuff. So uh, we'll be right back after this. I want to talk about Spotify Green Room. Spotify Green Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform free to download and free to use you can talk to other fans athletes and insiders in real time perfect for watch parties debates post-game breakdowns and reacting to breaking news all you need to do is download the spotify green room app free in the ios or android app store create a profile link it to your twitter and join that's it it's that easy so go ahead and check out spotify green room And we are back. So this part of the podcast, I'm jumping on Instagram Live. As we wait for people to jump on with us, I'm going to go over some questions that have been already asked. Um, I put out a question sticker, whatever they're called, on our Instagram page. Again, Halo underscore Haven on our Instagram and our Twitter just to kind of see uh, what people want to talk about, what's on their mind or anything like that. So I will pick out a question here. Um, uh, this first question asked with Ren- with Rendon out this year, do you think the Angels try to find a third baseman on waivers? Um, I don't think so. I think what they have right now is good enough. I think they're going to stay with Jack. I mentioned that before. Um, and honestly, after that, you know, you have Renhefu, you have some other guys in the farm system that. And, and, and you see it right now with all the guys they're bringing up. They're kind of figuring out what they have already in-house before I think they go and venture out to 
uh, waivers or trades on the offseason. I think they're going to really wait for see what they have here. So I think for the most part, the roster they have right now is the roster they're going to roll with. Yeah, you might have guys come up and come down a little bit here, a little bit there. But as far as adding guys through waivers or anything like that, I, I don't see that just because you can, you really see them going through like the youth movement. They're really trying to... Um, uh, you know, they're really trying to uh, evaluate what they have in-house before they go into the offseason um, and, and make a call there or not. Um, here's another question. Um, uh, out of all the Angels' young arms, who has the highest ceiling? And that's a very interesting question, too, because I think a lot of guys have high ceilings. I'm just not sure if... They'll reach him, I think, and I just, that's just because of the nature of the beast. Um, people get drafted, people get you know prospect list this and that because of their ceiling. Um, sometimes it works out great, sometimes it doesn't. But if you're going to ask me who I think has the highest ceiling, I do. I really do think it's either Chris or Reed. Um, but you know, Sandoval looks really, really good. It's hard for me to argue against something that I actually seen compared to. Something I'm hope to seeing. Uh, Sandoval has looked great on multiple occasions. Um, so, I mean, ceiling-wise, yeah, I think it might be Reed. Yeah, I think it might be Chris. But it's hard to ignore what's right in front of your face right now. And um, that's Patrick Sandoval. I think Patrick Sandoval right now has some of the best stuff uh, that I've seen from a young uh, arm in the Angels organization for a while. And the funny part is, too, we just passed the trade deadline. We traded Watson. We traded Haney for some pitchers that are, you know, double A, single A level. And I remember when we traded, um, who was it? It was um, uh, Maldonado to Houston for a pitcher that went to single A right away, and that was Patrick Sandoval. Now, three years later, four years, I think three years later, now we're seeing what he can be. So it's going to be really interesting, too, if, if one of those guys that they – traded for this year can turn into something like that where in three years like oh my god where this guy come from we traded him from you know this or that um uh jama's on uh, mlb network today said angels should offer one year massive contracts or two of uh, these four uh kershaw granke scherzer verlander and try to win now thoughts i mean i understand trying to do it that makes sense to try to do it. I just don't necessarily know if any of those guys are going to go for it. Um, Kershaw, I will not believe Kershaw is going to be anywhere else in a Dodger, but a Dodger uniform until he signs on a dotted line. And even then, too, I think it's going to be Texas, his hometown. Um, Granky Serger, Verlander, I don't mind that. Verlander's going to be coming off a of Tommy John surgery, so I don't think it's going to cost a massive contract for Verlander. Granky and Serger are very interesting, and Serger had his a great debut for the uh, for the Dodgers yesterday on Wednesday, so um, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. If it, if you can do it in one or two years, then I'm all for it. But I just don't know if that's what they're looking for or uh, what the market's going to dictate for those guys as far as um, if they want like a four year contract. If it's a four year deal, then I, I say I'm out. I don't I don't like that at all. Why can't Marsh and Adele get hit? Some like seems like they are doing everything with the pitchers they are given. Um, you know, it's interesting, too, because if you watch any of those games in Texas, Brandon, I think, was on the Tuesday game. He squared up two really good balls. Like, he squared them up to center field, gets caught, 
And then obviously in the broadcast, and if you watch enough games, they show the overlay of Angel Stadium to whatever stadium they're into. Those two balls would have been home runs in Angel Stadium. So for Brandon, I think the strikeouts are kind of a little bit high. I think he is making good contact. I think it's just bad luck contact. Again, where you're in a stadium where it doesn't matter because this, this the ball's not carrying as well. And you saw that all during Houston. Joe, again, he's only played three games. In the first game, he gets three hits. He gets another hit uh, today. So I'm not worried about Joe. But I will say this, and I've been repeating this I don't know how many times on here. Joe and Brandon are two different players. Brandon, you see it in the outfield. He is smooth. He is confident. He is makes everything look so much easier, so much easier. So um, Brandon's there really for his defense. And if he can chip in offense here and there, that's a plus, at least right now in the early stages. I'm going to say in the early stages. You know, Later on down the line when you want more development, then that can be something totally different. But the reason why they brought him up now after all the injuries, after really not playing at all this year, or not at all, but a limited amount, is that defense. And you're seeing that. He's making the typical, not even the typical, he's making the hard plays look easy and routine. I think that's why Brandon's there. Joe, again, three hits on his first nine. You got a hit today. Four hits in three games. I think they're doing fine. Um, let's see what's up. Uh, what's up with Thais? I like him. No position. I don't know where you put him. Do you put him at first? Do you put him at catcher? He's not. He's a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. I just don't know necessarily if you're going to find a place for him in anything that um, or any anywhere that he's going to be able to get full-time reps. And that's just kind of the nature of the beast. He, he, he just seems to be the odd man out. Um, are the Halos going to extend or re-sign Otani? Um, they have him for another. They have him for the rest of this year, and then two years after that. Hopefully, by then they have a, an extension ready for him. But they have time. They have very good time on that. Um, let's go back to some of the questions we had, and this one kind of was odd to me. And I saw it on some other, on some social media sites and the question is what do you think about the rumor that trout is sitting out because of the pool holes trade i think and i mentioned this on our facebook group i think it's absolutely bs like i'll be honest with you i think that's just fan and it's funny too because and again i think i guess every fan base has that kind of there's you know 30 percent great fans 30% 30% fans that don't know what the hell they're doing. And then that 40% in the middle, you know, it can go either way. Um, and I just feel like one of this take is from someone that doesn't understand what's going on. Like I talk to enough baseball players. Or I talk even in, 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 even quickly, even not necessarily like a full on sit down, but you always ask them like, what, you know, Hey, does it feel weird to play against your buddy? It's like, no, you know, it's, it's the business. They always come back. It's, it's a business. And, I think that's exactly what's going on with Trout. Trout knows the business. Was he probably heard that that Pujols got released, not traded? Um, going to uh, fix the story right there. He got released, not traded. Was he hurt? Probably. Was he upset? Probably. But do I think he had like a grudge against the Angels to um, stick it to them? No, because let's be honest. If he was back like two weeks ago, the Angels are still right into the mix or buyers at the deadline. So you're saying that he's holding out. Or he's bitter because they release pool holes and then you're going to hurt possibly the best chance they've had at a playoff berth in some time. No, I think that those rumors are completely false and completely BS and are just fans that... And I don't understand, too, because some fans are just, like, turning on them. Like, I don't understand. Like, people love Trout. People love Trout. And now, because of this injury are almost just turning on him and saying that he's holding out on purpose. He doesn't want to play. He's soft. He's this. He's that. Like, I don't understand 
where that came from. And it kind of sh- honestly shocks me how fast it, it happened. So, no, I do not think there's anything to that. There's nothing to um, Trout holding out on this season because of the pool holes thing. No, I think, honestly, if it's a calf issue, and, and I think, honestly, at this point, it's obviously more serious than they originally let on. And that same thing with Rendon. It was obviously a lot more serious than than was led on to begin with. But to think that he's doing it purposely because, oh, you know, you released my best buddy, Pujols. No, everyone, all these guys know... Um, all these guys know um, uh, each other. Everyone knows it's a business. So I, I, I do not buy that at all. Um, so I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe it. I, I just think... It's people just trying to make up. Everyone wants to. Everyone wants to be clickbait. Everyone wants to be um, the guy that breaks news or has a hot opinion and it goes viral on on Twitter. And it's like, yeah, that's great. But I think the smart fans can see through that crap and don't even get anywhere near it. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, Trout, there's no there's no rush for Trout now that you see Joe and um, Brandon up. Um, there's no reason for him to kind of rush back, especially. But like I said, if he was really trying to hold out because of the pool holes thing, it doesn't make any sense because you were the Angels were in contention all the way up until like the last couple of weeks before the trade deadline. He would want to come back. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But I just com- think it's completely BS. And I, you know, I talk to people and that have been in the locker room or not in the locker room because you can't right now, but I've seen him. Out on the field and talk to him a little bit has that has not even been a um, hasn't even been a thing hasn't even been like a, an ounce of to that so uh, so we'll see we'll see what happens but I, I I seriously doubt that Trout has given up the best opportunity to make the playoffs to make some kind of a statement like that I think it's completely BS and I think honestly like I said people are stretching people are stretching so um, so much so. Uh, going now to the next question: Who has the power to fire this medical staff, and do you think the Angels fire them? Um, obviously, this is kind of referring to the Rendon stuff, and um, uh, you know, I, I, I honestly, I, I there might be some changes, um, especially with the news and not able to give clear updates. I don't blame. I, I see a lot of people too blame Joe or blame the beat writers or blame those guys for whatever's reported a literally the beat writers are reporting what is told to them they are not here to um they're not columnists and for people that don't know a columnist you know gives you opinions of what they think and what this and what that i think this or i think that or i you know i have a feeling this and that like they're not really that type of the beat writers aren't so joe says hey so-and-so player's gonna be out two to three weeks they're gonna report he's gonna be out two to three weeks the real kind of I guess who who starts the message or who initiates why or when how long they're gonna be out is the medical staff. The medical staff tells the PR what what they think. They tell Joe what they think, um, and then in turn they tell the beat writers. They tell us. They tell you know they tweet it out. So um, when you're talking about getting clarity on injuries or how bad they are or how long guys are gonna be out, that's not really necessarily on Joe. I honestly think Joe um, it's just honestly getting fed this stuff. And could he fight back on it and say, you know, I need a better explanation of this? Yeah, he could. 
But in the grand scheme of things, is that necessarily super important for him as a manager? Whether a guy's out four weeks or six weeks, it's really not. I mean, honestly, the time frame is more for like the fans part of it. Like Joe's like, hey, when he's ready, let me know and I'll put him in the lineup. The whole he's going to be out four to six weeks, you know, or whatever. That's more for the fans and kind of get them information about what's going on. Joe, I don't think Joe really cares. So I don't think he necessarily needs to fight back as far as like, oh, you need to give me better information. It sucks with Rendon. Like, I don't understand how the hamstring turned into a hip. They said he tweaked something while he was rehabbing from his hamstring. Which, again, take with a grain of salt. I have seen things like that happen before. Um, With my background being a football coach, you know, you see guys come back from injuries, a knee injury, but because they're not fully back, fully healthy, they tend to overcompensate for their other knee or they overcompensate for this factor. Now that thing's all jacked up. So... I guess I kind of get where that's coming from, but you just wish there was some kind of um, transparency in it. But they're running a business. They are trying to keep things um, competitively on their side. It doesn't help them at all to come out and say um, Rendon's going to be back for the Dodgers series so the Dodgers can prepare for it. You know what I mean? So um, it doesn't help them at all. So I kind of understand it some way, but that's why I always tell people, Take it with a grain of salt. Don't blame the beat writers. They are literally reporting whatever is being told. That's their job to be the middle person. And seriously, do not kill the middleman. That's kind of how it is. I was told uh, Rendon needs Tommy John surgery because of his toe issue. Yeah, you know, who knows? That could be the next thing. Uh, I'm not going to shit on Trout, but uh, being gone 12 weeks due to a strained calf is both weird and suspect. Again, I'm not going to sit here and say it's a strained calf. We have already established that because it is said to be one thing, it doesn't mean that's the full story. I mean, we just literally got done talking about that with Rendon. So would it surprise me if next week they say, oh, you know, Trout's working his way back from a knee issue? No, it wouldn't. It would suck. It would be really unfortunate, but I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, it's a hamstring issue. Get your ass out there. No, like we do not know the story and it, it, it gets proven every single time when more and more information does come out, granted, after the fact, but it comes out and it's just like, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, wow. That changes the whole idea of it. So is it a calf? Maybe. But again, soft tissue injuries are very, um, very touchy, very, you know, you know, if you ever had a soft tissue injury at a high level, whether it be college or, or even high level uh, high school sports, you know, it, it takes it does take a little while. And especially if you're going to be investing that much money into a guy, I can kind of understand why part of it might be him sitting out and part of him or not him sitting out. Angels having him sit out and him, you know, taking it easy to be ready for next season. I, I do not. I do not. I, I understand it. Um, this question, which is priority this off season bullpen or rotation obviously i think this is the big question they have for the off season the angels front office and i think that's why again like i mentioned earlier you're seeing a lot of the young guys get called up now and get a lot of playing time a lot of playing time um obviously if you go through this next week against like i said before the dodgers the blue jays uh, the Astros and one game against the New York Yankees and they all look fine, at least something where you can build off of, then you might focus your attention to the bullpen. But you have to see it first. And I think that's what they're planning to do with the next two months of the season is just let's see what we have. Let's see if they can perform well. Let's see if they have if there's something to build on. 
And if there is, if Sandoval is the truth, if Sandoval is, you know, has this kind of run the whole rest of the season, you see major, you, you see improvement by Berea, you see improvement by Suarez, you see um, improvement by Detmers and Rodriguez and Cobb when he comes back. Maybe you re-sign him at a, you know, at a good rate. And maybe you're set. I don't know. But you have to see it first. And I think that's why instead of years past where it's like, oh, yeah, these guys are developing in the farm system. We'll see how it goes next year when we bring them up. No, we'll bring them up now. We'll see how it goes now, but in the majors. And that will settle or at least set up what they do in the offseason. So if these guys can really perform well, these young guys, I can definitely see them focusing the majority of their resources to um, shortstop in the bullpen. If not, then, you know, they struggle. They, they, they don't look right. They just seem to digress. Then I think um, you you go back and look at the starting uh, free agent market or you make trades. You know, at the same time, Brandon and Joe are out there. Maybe you can flip one of those guys. But at the same time, who are you going to have to replace? Ligaris isn't. Ligaris isn't. You know, coming or might not come back. He could be a fourth outfielder, but you don't have Eaton's not in a contract after this year. Upton has one more left. You might be able to uh, pull the pool holes on him. So you're going to need outfielders to fill out that spot. And why not have two young outfielders and one that could play center field just as well as anyone um, in the majors right now with Brandon? Um, extend Iglesias. Yes. But my one caveat, my one worry, and it's probably me just kind of overthinking things. Like today, again, we're recording Thursday night. So Thursday game, the game's a five-run game. I think C-Shake let uh, walk the guy. So I think there's two on. I think there's a situation where there's two on, two outs in the ninth. And then they bring in Iglesias to get a one-out, five-run save, which is not even a save opportunity. It's just one out with a five-run lead after using them in previous games. You've seen the usage he's had this season coming in for two innings uh, or an inning and a third, inning and two-thirds. You've seen that a lot. So my only concern is, and again, I, I could be overthinking it. It might not even be an issue. But if you're really seriously going to re-sign this guy and you want to use him, every pitcher, starter or um, uh, um or bullpen guy only have so many bullets left, so why why put him out there for that? I want to resign him. Yes, Rossell, I think he's a great closer, but I you know you have to kind of limit now his his outings out there and make him an actual true save opportunities, not just oh we're in trouble in the eighth inning. Like you know some of these guys have to work through that. So hopefully you see kind of a digression in Rossell's. Um, Usage again. If it's a if it's a three out save, use him. That's what he's for. But when you start going like into the eighth inning or just one out five run lead, like or two outs five run lead, you don't need to use him. Uh, oh, I meant the shortstop. Yeah, you know the shortstop. I can take it or leave it. I'm not necessarily thrilled with Jose Iglesias. Um, if you can't get one of the major guys, then yeah, I can see going after him again. I just. Um, offensively, he's kind of up and down. He does have good moments. He definitely does. But in the same thing in the in the in the in the in the field, he's just some of the things he does, and some of the things he does that actually work are are cool, and they make Bally Sports Twitter and all that stuff. But at the same time, if you're watching you're watching the game and see how the game flows, it's like, why are you doing that? Like, the, there's there's been a couple of times where there's a hard ground ball right to Fletcher and make a really easy play to first. But here comes Iglesias running across Iglesias or across Fletcher's face to make 
a grab with his glove and flip it one way or the other. It, it, it's 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 looks nice. It looks pretty. All the fans are gonna go crazy for it. But when you look at it from like the sky view, it's like Fletcher could have had an easier play than that. And you just kind of you know, there's been times too where. He tries to go for a ground ball. He literally misses it. Luckily, Fletcher's behind him. But now he's screening Fletcher to, to throw to first base. So um, I can take him or leave him. He has improved on the field during the season, but he was so bad earlier um, that it's not hard. It's hard not to improve. Let's be honest. He, he was leading the team in errors for it. He might still actually be leading the team in errors. So, yes, he's improved. But when you're doing so crappy, it's not hard to improve. Uh, Iglesias is a little too flashy. Yes, I think there's a good time for flash. I think there's times where it, it pays off, a grounder in the hole, a this and that. But like what he's doing is like purposely cutting in front of Fletcher to, to so you can glove flip it or something like that. So um, yeah, a little too flashy with me. Not not necessarily on my top priority list to re-sign Jose Iglesias. I think if it happens and that's kind of your only option, then that makes that makes sense. Then that's fine. I have no problem with that. Um, I'll take a couple more questions from here. Uh, I think we kind of, I kind of talked about this one a little bit. What do you do with Upton next year, assuming our outfield is Trout, Marsh, and Adele? Um, I honestly think you m- might, you know, be a uh, platoon, which he is right now, which is kind of crazy. He is a platoon, so you might see like a Brandon and Joe um, – not Brandon and Joe, Brandon and uh, Upton platoon next year maybe, or – if he just doesn't have a great year, you might just honestly see him get the Albert treatment and say, here you go. They ate the 30 whatever million dollars for Albert. You know, eating uh, Upton's contract isn't worse than that. So um, I honestly think that might be the only option. It's him uh, platooning with Brandon, so you have like a lefty write-up matchup. Or um, just giving him his walking papers and saying thank you. Uh, and doing like they did with Upton. So we'll see how that goes. Um, let's see. I'm trying to find one more question. Um, this one, it's kind of asked, how do you think we'll do next year if everyone stays healthy? A, no one ever stays 100% healthy. And B, it's too far out to know exactly what's going to happen next year because there's so many things that can happen, trades, signings, injuries. So um, way too soon for all that. Um, last one, which one? Um, let's see. Um, talking about the shortstops, here it is. Uh, which shortstop would you, would we target this off season? Is any, I do think they need at least target one. I don't necessarily know if you need to break the bank. Um, all of them kind of have their own in- uh, issues. Like I love Trevor story, but I think, He's kind of coming off a down year, so you're kind of worried about that. Correa has injury issues. Seager has injury issues. Um, I do think Story will probably cost the most out of everybody. Um, I do think Story will probably get like the biggest contract out of those guys. Correa wouldn't be a bad fit, you know, if he stays healthy. And that's his always been his biggest thing. But um, I would rather. I would love to go out for Story. I just don't know money-wise, financially. Um, so, I, you know, we'll see what happened. We'll see what happens with that. But I just honestly think Correa probably makes the best fit. He, I don't think he's going to be super expensive, but I would love to see Story. But I just I just don't think money-wise it fits for him. I don't think money-wise it fits for the Angels. But I do think they need to go out there and at least 
look and kind of kick the tires on some shortstops next year just to see if they can upgrade that position. And if not, and what you have left is um, Jose Iglesias to resign, then that's cool. So um, that's going to conclude it for this episode of the All Angels Podcast. Again, uh, I'm on Instagram Live. If you're on Instagram Live right now and you just jumped on and didn't get the whole uh, video, I will... This will be part of the podcast coming out in probably a couple hours or tomorrow morning, so definitely check it out. I'm not going to save this video, but you can also follow us on Instagram on Halo underscore Haven, Twitter, Halo underscore Haven. Check out the YouTube page, uh, All Angels Podcast on YouTube. So, again, great series for the Angels, taking three or four, uh, headlined by a lot of great pitching starts by Bundy, by uh, Rodriguez, by uh, uh, um, Suarez. So, good things, good things to see. Uh, big test coming up against the Angels or against the Dodgers these next three games. We'll see how that plays out. We'll be back Sunday night for the next episode of the All Angels Podcast to review the Dodgers series and hopefully have some good news too. So thank you again for watching. Thank you again for listening. I am Dallin Garcia and you listen to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com dot edu slash podcast.